Welcome, Pewter Report readers and listeners, to another edition of the Pewter Report Podcast. I am John Ledyard, your humble host today. And with me is a very special guest that I have been excited to talk defensive backs with, that I'm always excited to talk defensive backs with year-round, whether it's draft or breaking down NFL players, whatever it is, always looking to pick this guy's brain. He is the podcast, one of the hosts of the of the 49ers podcast, Striking Gold. He's also the founder of his own site, The Crocker Report, which does awesome work evaluating, especially defensive backs, but evaluating prospects from around the country. And I'll let him talk about that a little bit. But Eric Crocker, ladies and gentlemen, uh, he is with us today to break down these Bucks DBs. Eric, how are you today, my man? Oh man, I'm doing good, man. Thanks for thanks for having me on. And I love the the intro, man. You made me sound important <laughs> or something. Well, you are. You've been <laughs> you've been vital to me. I'm always sliding in your DMs trying to get, get you to answer questions for me. Like, hey, what's what's this coverage? Is it what I think it is? Like, what's this DB's technique? Like, am I seeing this right? Like, and so you've been a great asset to me. But tell the people before we get going a little bit about your site, the Crocker Report. What made you want to start it, and what it is that you all special in over specialize in over there? Yeah, so so the Crocker Report, the way that that came, it kind of was on some like Jay Z, Dame Dash, you know, Rockefeller type stuff, where you know nobody was offering me any like writing positions and stuff. And as they probably shouldn't, because I'm not really like a writer like that. I just love talking about football. But um, I was like, man, you know what? If nobody is going to you know pay me to write or you know do a podcast about you know just football in general, yeah, I'm going to create my own my own lane so i created crocker report um and i have a, a bunch of you know really good writers guys that um are you know fans of some teams around the league but most importantly man they enjoy you know evaluating talent and everything so right now it's been a really weird year with the whole covid and stuff like that is there going to be football is there not you got a bunch of top prospects opting out and everything yeah but uh soon you guys will start seeing a bunch of just you know just real raw like uh scouting reports mm-hmm. on prospects from around the country we've already put out a few but there will be a bunch more to come yeah. uh, especially as you know this kind of season progresses yeah absolutely if you're looking for a defensive back uh, analysis especially as this draft approaches and really wide receiver analysis i don't want to sell you short like wide receiver, <laughs> you were talking today about a hit on dk metcalf we were talking about on twitter and that was a that was a big hit obviously can we so, talk yeah, about that receiver. do we have people that are interested in, on dk oh okay, i'm sure so, people were in here that like the draft and that thought had had opinions on dk for sure so so this was my thought process on dk metcalf all right because i i was one person like i mocked him to the 49ers at two before the combine yeah. To me, it was never about the 40-yard dash the time that he ran or anything else he did at the combine. I think that might have like legitimized like the upside or the ceiling mm-hmm. that he had. But for me, it was just watching him. For somebody to be 6'4, 230 pounds, and be that quick off the line of scrimmage, be that powerful. To me, that was like, man, like this is some serious stuff. Yeah, he doesn't move like Julio Jones, you know, maybe not as uh, fluid of a route runner, but I think people, they kind of, when they start looking at like route runners, right. And they they expect everybody to look like, you know, like an Antonio Brown or, you know, something like that. And it's like, not everybody's going to look like that or win like that. There are guys that like, uh, like DK Metcalf, where we know one thing, one, he can win vertically on the goal route off the line of scrimmage. He can beat you and he can run by anybody. All right. So now off of that, there's a few things that that comes with one, he can, since he can win vertically, he plays as fast as his 40 time. Now you have to respect that. So he's going to get, 
you know, 15 yard stops, 10 yard stops, mm -hmm. five yard stops, anything where he can get the cornerback uh, uh, moving vertically, he can stop, catch a pass, and then turn around and do whatever he does after that. On top of that, because he is so quick and powerful at the line of scrimmage, yeah, he's not really good in his agility side to side movements, but his initial movements off the line of scrimmage was really quick, really good hands and power. So he's going to win right. on plant routes. He's going to win on crossing routes. He can mm -hmm. get inside and win on post routes and he can win on deep crossing routes. So yeah, he's not going to be a guy that looks like, you know, Antonio Brown running routes, but, right. or, or like a Jerry Judy, but he wins in a certain way. And mm -hmm. his, his traits, which how he wins is very elite. So I was right. really high on that and what that that could be. And unfortunately for the 49ers, he's kind of turning into that in the NFL. <laughs> yeah, exactly right. I know. It's kind of like worst case scenario. You, you mocked him in the Niners, and now he's out there killing the Niners the rest yeah, of the West man. in some ways. But in some ways, it's kind of honestly the, the conversation. We're talking about DK Metcalf, if you're, if you're just jumping in here uh, just briefly. But in some ways, the conversation there with Metcalf, honestly, even though Metcalf was more of a freak, I think, Mike Evans was kind of talked about the same way and that like, I don't know if Mike Evans can separate. That was the thing with DK. I don't mm. know if he can separate. Like we know he can run in a straight line, but can he separate? And we've, we've learned with Mike Evans that it's just kind of like, if you can separate vertically at a, at a high enough level, it's a trump card for you. Like you don't need a, a million other things. You don't need to be able to win like everybody else does. You just have to have that card. And honestly, I think Metcalf's full route tree, we're already seeing it kind of round out too. But, um, uh, but yeah, I think that that's, Big part of it, yeah, is definitely knowing what to value and how to value it. But we got so much Evans. evaluation to talk yeah. about, too. I'm high on Mike Evans. He's the top five receiver in the league for me. There you go. Bucks fans really love bad, hearing that. Really powerful. Mm -hmm. um, I heard Bruce Arians say, like, yeah, like, yeah, I'm not going to run all these short routes with him. Like, that's not how he's built. That's not what yep. he does. But what he does do, he does at a really high level to yep. where I was saying he's a top five receiver in the league. And everybody's like, Mike Evans, what about this yep. guy? This guy. I'm like, man, look at this dude, man. A thousand yards every year. Yep. He's a deep, deep threat. I mean, for a guy that ran a four or five, he plays at four four. Like, you know yep. what I'm saying? Like, he's right. so powerful. And I, I just like how angry he is all the time. Oh, like, I yeah. love that about Mike Evans. Yeah. yeah he's so intense. Yeah, he he's he's such a unique player. You know, as I was studying him this offseason, I was like, I always knew he was good, but then watching him this offseason, he's like, oh my gosh, like Mike Evans, he literally he doesn't get manufactured touches like some of these other guys. And that's not to knock them, but it's like Mike Evans has to like every single catch that he gets, he's getting down the field, like yeah. low degree of difficult or high degree of difficulty, low percentage type of throws and opportunities. And like he's still producing at this insane rate. That's what makes his six straight thousand yard seasons crazier. Uh, than other guys for sure, but anyway, we got to talk about we got to talk about Bucks DBs. That's what the people came here for. They said Bucks DBs are what we're coming here to hear about, and so we yeah. will talk about that for sure. Eric Crocker, my guest, ladies and gentlemen, uh, he's awesome. Uh, make sure that you're following him on Twitter at Eric underscore Crocker. Uh, does some awesome, awesome film breakdowns and work. We're going to talk Bucks DBs, but if you're just jumping in here and you're saying, "Oh, man, what's this?" Like I came in here to hear Crocker. I don't know what this is. Like, make sure you go to Pewter Report TV, subscribe, uh, get to click that bell in the corner, get our notifications. We go live four days a week. We talk Bucks in depth. Uh, we've got lots to talk about this season. Obviously, they never a dull moment uh, with the Bucks, and so it's been a lot of fun, and we've loved having y'all in here. If you got a chat, if you got a question for Eric about one of the Bucks DBs or something else, um, go ahead and throw it in there. If you want to send us a super chat donation, uh, throw that out to us. We appreciate that as well. Uh, any of the donations you want to send our way, we always appreciate those on the show as well. But appreciate y'all tuning in on a Thursday night, getting a little bit of this pregame action before uh, the Thursday night football game for those of you who are watching live. 
All right. First thing I want to talk to you about, Crocky. Let's talk about Carlton Davis. He he has been everything the Bucs could have hoped for and more this season, matched up against number ones in almost every game, shadowed guys, not a lot of corners around the league doing that. Um, I, coming out, I'm going to be honest. Like I thought he was a solid player, but I didn't think he would have the ceiling of a great player. He's looked like a great player this season, and I'm just curious what your observations have been on him as you've studied his tape and seen some of his matchups against some of the top wide receivers in the league. Man, like I'm with you. I thought he was a solid player. He was in the class with Jair Alexander and those guys, right? Correct, yeah. So, I, think that's right. I mean, that was a really strong cornerback yeah. class with Ward, Alexander, Mike Hughes, mm-hmm. uh, uh, Jackson. Josh Jackson, from, yeah. Uh, uh, well, Josh Jackson, I wasn't as high on him, but oh, Jackson that went to the Dante, Panthers. Dante, yeah, Dante Jackson, um, yeah. I mean, there were a bunch of cornerbacks, and then there's Carlton Davis, and you're like, man, see the talent, see how it kind of develops, and he must be working on his craft. Matter of fact, he works with this guy, Oliver, um, great cornerback coach out of Atlanta, uh, cornerback uh, trainer. He, when once I saw him shadowing guys, and I think it was what, what game was it early on? Was it Mike Evans? No, he plays against the, Mike Evans. Well, uh, Mike Thomas, Thomas excuse me. Yeah, yeah Mike Thomas. Won. That was the one where I, I I saw the buzz about it, and I went back and watched it, and I said, "Ooh, we like Tampa has a good one." <laughs> uh, with me, when it comes to cornerbacks, the biggest thing is can you challenge guys? And there are going to be times where you get beat. Right. There's no cornerback. Yep. That's perfect. And we've seen that even with uh, with, with him, you know, like there, there's times where Davis, you know, he kind of gets beat or whatever. What game was it, it was a, like a Thursday night game. I think he gave up like a, kind of a deep ball. He got beat off the line of scrimmage. That's going to happen here and there. But for the most part, he is extremely competitive on on every rep. And I think receivers, when they line up against him, they know like, man, when this guy's lined up across from me, I have to bring my A game. Now, the one thing yeah. that I think is really cool with him is even though he shadows guys, it doesn't always mean that it's man coverage. So I was watching the Raider game and I see him lined up in press over a guy. The receiver runs uh, like a flat, like a uh, slant route. This is third yeah. down in like one. And the tight end, they try to sneak the tight end out into the flats. And he has great eyes. Like a lot of guys they, they in, in that moment, they would get locked in on mm-hmm. – then we get locked in on the receiver in front of him because it was a ta- it was an attached uh, tight end. So this wasn't even right. like a twins type formation. So they had the, the receiver run a slant. He came off of that, made a play on, you know, the really good tight end from, from the Raiders, broke yeah, up the water. ball, forced a fourth down. So those are the things he's doing, not just in man coverage where he's challenging guys on every rep, but he also has really good zone eyes too. I think that's, mm-hmm. that, that's really good for him to be that, that versatile of a player. Yeah, I mean, I think when you've watched him this season, you know, when I, when I've seen him is the one thing I've continued to note is just technically he just looks really clean to me. Like there's not many times where he's lunging at the line of scrimmage or he's getting off balance or he's falling for any type of juke or rocker step or anything like that off the line of scrimmage. Seems like he's able to like stay square with guys, use his hands well and effectively, but not grab and not get off balance. You know, some guys they're impressed and they, they just want to fire out and, and crush somebody, you know what I mean? And they're trying to do that every rep. And it seems like to me, he's just able to play a patient brand of football 
Um, and because of that, he's able to kind of, even though I wouldn't say, like I wouldn't have marked Carlton Davis's top trait as fluidity, like you would like Jair Alexander. Like, I mean, Jair Alexander's just oily hips and like he's just bouncing in and out of every cut. You know, I wouldn't have described Carlton Davis that way, not that he's bad that way, but I think because he's been, his technical technique has been so good he just ha- he always has his feet under him. You know, he's able to stay balanced and he was able to transition with guys, even if he might not, his timed change of directions might not be as, as good as some of the elite corners in that area in the NFL. Would you kind of agree with that take about his, the way that his techniques develop as a press man guy? No, definitely. You know who it kind of reminds me of? And I don't want to say like this is who he reminds me of, but just that easy ability to kind of mirror receivers. But Darrell Revis. Um, uh-huh. Revis didn't jump off to you as the most uh, freakly, freakishly athletic guy. You know, I know he ran like in the four threes coming out. I don't think that he really looked like he was playing at that speed. I didn't think his movements or twitch jumped out to anyone, yeah. but he just always was really patient. He never looked like he was in a panic and he just stayed square, had a good arm bar, did those type of things. And he was that made him consistently good in challenging receivers. And obviously, I mean, that's like an, that's a uh, you know extreme. The ceiling, yeah, it, that's that's right? the dream. But I see, not saying I see Revis and Carlton Davis, but I just see that ability of yeah, maybe he's not the twitchiest of athletes or anything like sure. that, but he just does a really good job of being able to mirror match with receivers, no matter what they do. The release, he never really looks like he's in a panic, right. and a lot of that has to do with your technique. A lot of guys, which I was watching, uh, Bunting, uh, Murphy Bunting off the line of scrimmage where he didn't move his feet, punched his outside hand, receiver got, you know, outside of him and they didn't throw the ball, but if the Raiders wanted to, they really had a touchdown because he wasn't playing with good technique at the line of scrimmage and he was beat like by five yards. From there, he's in the, just an all-out chase. Yep. You don't really see that from Carlton Davis. Right. Those aren't things that really show up on film. So right. that's, a, yep. that's a big uh, testament to him, you know, really working on his, his, his technique. Yeah, and that's one of those things that's hard to see pre-draft, like, you know that these guys have talent and everything, and you can sit with them for five minutes at the combine, and you can say, oh, man, I love their mentality from those five minutes. But I've sat with guys like that, and they went to the NFL, and they didn't care. And, you know, right. Carlton Davis just kind of has this quiet, unassuming personality. You you just – when he gets on the field, a dog comes out that you just – you don't see it when you're sitting with him talking to him. Like, you don't – you honestly don't get that sensation. But one of the things I love, you know, he is – in the offseason, Bruce Arian said – we think we have a top 10 corner in the league in Carlton Davis. And I'm not going to lie. Like I was like, okay, like he didn't play like that the year before. (laughs) And he played, he was all right. He made good strides. I thought, but it didn't ever think I was, I didn't ever think that was in his ceiling to be honest. Then you you know, you know why he got better, right? I I know what you're going to say. He changed his number, man. Like (laughs) you look good. You play good. You can't be out there number 33 and be out there locking guys down and stuff. Like, no, like, it's not gonna be pretty. Wasn't it him that got beat by um by Dante Pettis? Just destroyed at the line of scrimmage. Destroyed, yeah. Pettis just uh, caught the ball, ran in for a touchdown. But when you switch to twenty four, those type of things gonna aren't going to happen. So you know, you look good, you play good. It was the number switch, man. I'm telling you. I, I could I couldn't agree with you more. Like I was literally gonna <laughs> ask you, do you think his jersey number? But I knew you'd have that covered. You'd yeah. be all over that. But no, I think you're completely right. I mean, twenty four, yeah. Looks looks way better on the field this year. Like, yeah. It just looks better. The new jerseys, yeah. the new number. I'm telling you, there's something to it. Look good, play good. But what Jordan Ridgeway wants to know, and what honestly what I think I want to know at this point, is this season, and we know cornerback is kind of one of those positions that it just kind of it's like a wave. Every you know, every year we got 
different guy. You know, Jalen Ramsey last year wasn't didn't play like the best cornerback in the league, like everybody thought. And that's kind of been a continued Trey White. Everybody, you know, he's he the best corner in the league. And then this year it's down a little bit. And Marshawn Lattimore looks great week one. And now he's on this roller coaster ride. And like you said, everybody gets beat and there's ups and downs of the position. But this season, do you feel like Carlton Davis has a as a as a an argument to be a top five cornerback in the league, top 10 cornerback in the league, the way he's played this year? You know, this reminds me of a couple years ago with Byron Jones. And so I, I won't say that Carlton Davis is just has solidified himself as a top five corner in the league, but I will say at this moment, he's playing at a top five level. And I saw, yeah. you know, uh, Byron Jones do that for an entire year. Was it like maybe 2017, 2018 or whatever? Yep. Um, this reminds me of that, where it's like, okay. Man, he's playing at this top five level. Can he be this guy consistently? Sustain it, right. But, I mean, all that matters is right now, right? You guys, offense cookie, got Tom Brady. Can he play at this level throughout this year? And if he does, I mean, that's really good for you guys. Right, so, for Tampa right. Bay. So, right now, yes, I, I, I'm not going to say he's a top five corner, but he's definitely right. playing at a top five level, especially right. with what he's asked to do. There, there are a lot of guys, you know, they're asked to – J- uh, Jason Verrett, we'll use him with the 49ers. Mm-hmm. Verrett, his passer rating against him like is super low. Like, it's ridiculous. Right. But he's not faced with the same kind of challenges playing and play out as yep. Carlton Davis, where Davis, you know, he's following guys on that right side, left side, in the slot, you know, mm-hmm. doing a lot of that, where, you know, you're more likely to get targeted because you're facing the guy, and you're yep. more likely to give up a catch here and there. Mm-hmm. Um, So, you know, just based off of that, like, I don't expect his numbers to be just like super shut down, but I think everybody appreciates how he's playing, how he's competing, the turnovers that he's forced. He had one pass breakup that resulted in an interception that got mm-hmm. called back for pass interference. But I thought it was an amazing play. Right. He continue to do those things, man. Like that's mm-hmm. that's big time, man. Yeah, absolutely. I think he's been the most valuable player on the Bucks defense this season, and that's a great defense. So I don't say that lightly, but I just think what he provides, like you said, when you take take into account difficulty of assignment which i think is very important in evaluating talent you know what he's had to go up against this season how he's performed in that role has been massive for this defense let's talk about a guy who struggled a little bit more sean murphy bunting they took him in the second they took him ahead of jamel dean we'll talk about as well we'll kind of incorporate murphy bunting and dean into the into the same conversation here where they took uh, Murphy bunting ahead of Dean. They had high hopes for him. He is kind of since last mid last season. They they made the switch. They said, MJ Stewart, you're out of here. And then they cut him this offseason. They said, Vernon Hargraves, you're out of here. They cut him. And thank God, he's maybe the worst corner in the league. But that's another conversation <laughs> for another time. Yeah. And they cut hey, him. You know they- what? Hey, people come to me for cornerback advice, but I, I, I'll say this. I had him like ahead of Jalen Ramsey. Now, this was before I was really diving into the film like that. Yeah. But- I really liked him for whatever reason. You know, I just yeah. there was a lot that I liked right. about him. Hey, I probably would have missed on him too. So don't, yeah, don't no. feel bad, Tampa Bay uh, GM. I, I I agree with you on that one. I, <laughs> I liked him too. I think part of the part of what didn't click for him was hard for us to see from our vantage point. Let's yeah. just put it that way. But uh, you know, I think with Sean Murphy Bunting, he stepped into the lineup and they love him because he's smart, vocal, and really hardworking. He's an intense guy. He loves to play. He's got the mentality that Tampa Bay really wants at the position. He's physical. He's aggressive. But like it or not, he you know last year he was shaky. He's the outside corner in base, and then he steps into the nickel uh, when Jamal Dean comes onto the field, and he plays inside. And he, I don't think he played nickel in college. He's not really like the, the typical build that you see for a nickel and definitely not the typical technique that you see from a starting nickel. 
I, what are your observations with him? I have so many, like, you know, I don't know if he's miscast, if, if it's, but then I watch him last week and, you know, I'm like, man, they need to play him and press man more. Like he just gets all out of sorts and zone. He doesn't have great feel or instincts or spacing. Then they put him in press man last week and he got toasted up. And so I'm not sure what the answer is with Sean Murphy bunting, but what do you see when you watch him? Do you think he can improve? Yeah. Nickel, you know, if you're not used to playing there, you're, you, you, all, you have a lot of space. You know, you're there like in the middle, you're far, you're, you know, you're between the hashes and the numbers. There's more space for, uh, you know, guys to have a two-way go. Uh, the biggest issue I've seen from him and the times I've watched Murphy is because you, you guys do play a lot of zone with him in there in the, in the, in the mm -hmm. slot. His eyes to me have been bad. Yeah, um, there have been agreed. multiple occasions where I'm watching the game and I see the guy that they're throwing to right next to him. And it's like if you just look and attach to a guy like that's in your in your area, and then look back at the quarterback, you can probably get a pick. But he gets so stuck on the quarterback that boom, a completion right next to him, and the guy turns up, gets the first down, and he'll get the tackle. But I think you know, and I, I don't know what they're being taught, but there are some teams that teach a lot of spot dropping. I do not like spot dropping. I like, hey, let me look at look at this guy that's coming into my area. Okay, he's coming into my area. Once I see him coming into my area, now I can get my eyes back to the quarterback. I think what he's doing and what it looks like to me is from the jump, he's looking at the quarterback. He's just dropping to a spot, not taking into account anything else that's going on around him. Catches get made, then he'll go and make a tackle. But that seems to be something that's been really consistent with him, especially in the nickel. Right. Yeah. He's been, this is a funny comment from Mayan Thompson. He says maybe SMB needs to switch his Jersey number. That's not, that's not the problem. He's wearing 23. Exactly right. Yeah. So he's already got that going for him. So, you know, I, that's a good thought, Mylon, but I think we, we maybe covered that base with him. So his, I think, yeah. His issues can improve with experience, right? You know, right. like you said, he is a guy that isn't used to playing in the nickel. He didn't play there. Uh, in college. I watched him in college. Right. He was an outside strictly guy. So he's playing yeah. in a new position, something that's foreign to him. He's asked to do a bunch of things that he probably never had to do. And he's going to see a lot of new things, a lot of new looks. He has to get more comfortable. So they asked, like, can he improve? Yes, he definitely can. The game just has to kind of slow down for him at that position. It, it, but you would like to see something that's more encouraging. And the way you guys are talking about him, it sounds like he hasn't really given you much to be encouraged about. Yeah, he he really hasn't played very well. And and here's the other thing, Eric, is that when when you're when you're a defensive back that is still kind of going through the, the ups and downs, like in learning, I think that can be accepted to some degree. But then it's like, okay, what's the high end positives? You know, like so, a lot of guys get beat early on. But then you know, we saw Jeffrey Okuda the other day for the Lions. He's getting beat consistently as a rookie, and it's not that surprising. Like it's a tough position to acclimate to in the NFL. But then we also seen some peak plays, some crazy interception. He made a crazy right. interception a few weeks ago. So you see the flashes. You know, SMB picked a couple passes off last year, but I wouldn't describe any of them as like great plays. It was just kind of like ball was thrown on poor decisions by the quarterback. And this year, I mean, we just haven't seen any high-end plays. I mean, I think he has one pass breakup. I don't even remember that play, and I watch every Bucks game like four times. You know, so I don't know where he got credit for that. But he's he's been in – even when he's in position and man coverage, 
You know, we think of the back shoulder throw against the Panthers, 30-yard gain to DJ Moore. Think of the back shoulder touchdown to Donald Parham and the Chargers, 19-yard touchdown. He just hasn't made the plays on the ball even when he's in position. It's not like he, to me, like the biggest thing with him that I wrote last year over the summer and that's what's shown up again this year is that he doesn't seem to have a feel for when the ball is around him, like in, 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 in man and in zone for when a receiver's around him. Like it just doesn't seem like he is kind of like, see it happen, then react to it. Like there's not like an, and that to me, that's like the definition of the lack of instincts. Like I want guys to sense things kind of before they happen, get a feel for when a route's about to break before they happen, you know, and some people call it instincts. Other people say, Oh, tape study. Like I've seen him. I see his hips sink. Like I see him about to change directions. I see his eyes, whatever it is. Like, I don't see that process happening for him. Like to me, he's just playing very reactionary. A team does something, a receiver does something, he chases. You know, we saw it a couple times the other day. The Raiders brought Henry Ruggs in like a short motion uh, from from a wide split. They brought him in a short motion, and he comes, you know, inside like he's about to run a drag route. Then he bounces back outside in a pivot. And I get getting beat on that route, but he is chasing that drag so hard. He's got his no eyes were really bad. Yeah, it wasn't even so much that he was just chasing the in route. His eyes were straight on the quarterback. So yep. as the receiver went back out, he was never even looking at the receiver. He's still looking at the quarterback. And it's like, no, like you should be looking at him. Right. And, you know, he was <laughs> he's gone. To catch the ball right. and you know, get a first down. So, you know, those are things right there. Like is his eyes seem to be the main issue. Right. And right. a lot of times when your eyes are bad, maybe the game is just moving a little fast for him. He has to figure out a way for the game to slow down for him. And that'll help him. This game, it seems to slow down for Carlton Davis. He needs to talk to his buddy and, and, and figure out, you know, what, what they can do to get the game to slow down for him because he is a talented player. I liked him. Right. coming out. I want to say he was my fifth corner in that class. Now I didn't really like that class as much right. uh, from a cornerback perspective, but he he yep. he can play. He has the tools. He has the ability. Now the game just has to slow down a little bit for him up here. If that yes. happens, then then he'll be all right. What he needs to do is go train with Carlton Davis in the offseason. <laughs> I completely agree with you. I, I think the tools are there. I liked him coming out as well. I, I I actually think out of the Bucks three top three corners they have now, yeah, he was probably would have been the highest grade. I know they were in different classes than Carlton Davis, but he would have been the highest grade guy I had. Coming out, I think he has all the talent in the world, the size, the, the the physicality, the athleticism. It's the speed that's all there, but the technique and the eyes, like you said, they just have not been there um, so far this season. But like you said, the traits are there, and working with Carlton Davis and some of the Bucks' defensive coaches that they have, you could probably bet on Sean Murphy Bunting get a little bit better as the season goes on or maybe even into next season. Another place you can bet is over with our friends over at MyBookie. My bookie has lots of great bets that you can do, use between the NFL, college ball, and MLB playoffs that are now wrapped up. There's no shortage of games to watch, and with thousands of lines available on all your favorite sports and events, you can turn your game day into payday with my bookie. If you're the type of guy who likes to back the big favorites, consider putting a couple in a parlay for a much bigger payout. Not only do parlays make meaningless games exciting, but more importantly, they give you a chance to turn ordinary bets into a real moneymaker. And don't forget the underdogs. They have a ton of value. The thing about the NFL is that underdogs are never really dogs on Sunday. Every team truly has a chance to win, and you do too. Game spreads, championship futures, and player prop bets, it's never too late to get in on the action and start turning your sports knowledge into actual cash in your wallet. Sign up at MyBookie. And when you do, use our promo code Pewter, P-E-W-T-E-R, to claim a deposit match dollar for dollar all the way up to a thousand bucks. 
It's a bonus designed to give you a little help and a head start on your winning season. That's promo code Pewter, P-E-W-T-E-R, for you to claim your bonus when you make your deposit. Stacked UFC cards, presidential prop bets, all the major sports and more. Sign up today to begin your winning season exclusively at MyBookie. So the other part of this, Eric, that is kind of confounded the whole issue is Sean Murphy bunting and fans getting restless with Sean Murphy bunting's level of play. You know, sometimes that happens, but you're like, okay, I know the guy's young. He's developing. It's a second year. Like he's doing some things he's not used to doing. We need to be patient with him. It's a little bit harder to be patient when the guy behind Sean Murphy bunting, who comes in and plays a lot in nickel because nickel's the prevalent defense. So he plays a lot is Jamel Dean. And Jamel Dean is a guy who was drafted right behind Sean Murphy Bunting in the third round of that same draft. And he's playing out of his mind. And he's been playing. He got in last year. And his first action, I think, was the Seattle game. He got to start play a ton in that Seattle game. He got absolutely torched. DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett lit him up. He said that game changed his whole perspective. He spent the rest of the week asking himself, do you You know why he got torched in that game, right? Why did he get torched in that game? Tell us. He wore those hideous red sleeves with white (laughs) uniforms. I saw that and I was just like, yeah, touchdown, they win the game. You know what? I scouted DK, man. He's not losing to that outfit. I'm <laughs> <laughs> no, sorry, but go ahead. <laughs> no, I, no, it's a good point. I mean, I think with Dean, it's become a thing now where it's like, you know, he made a commitment that he was going to be great. And that's what he told us. He said, yeah. after that game, he said, it changed my, like he said, I can keep going like this and I might get by on natural ability for a while, you know, but. I think I can be a great player. So he started coming in. I mean, they coaches have said he comes in at 430 and he comes off as kind of like the clown of the group. Like that's his personality. But everybody kind of raves about his work ethic. But beneath that, you know, he but on his exterior is kind of like uh, this jokester uh, in the locker room. And but I think his commitment to his craft has shown. I mean, this is a guy that has hardly been beat at all. I know he got beat the other day on a Nelson Aguilar double move. That was a good play, but he has hardly been beaten at all. Since, he, since that Seattle game. And he has made a ton of plays in the ball. I mean, last year he played in like seven games and he was in the top five, I believe, in, NFL, in the NFL in pass breakups. Had a couple interceptions. This year he already has an interception. He had five pass breakups on the year. He had four pass breakups on the Bears' last two drives. He almost single I was going to say, I felt like all five pass breakups came on one drive. I mean, you know, he, almost he almost had the pick yeah. six it looked like he should have had. And I mean, he did. I mean, we talked about the next week he, he was did. the one that picked off Aaron Rodgers, right? Yep. Um, exactly to the right. Um, but on, in that game specifically, jumped one on the left side. He moved over to the right side with whatever receiver he was guarding, mm-hmm. and they kept targeting him, and he just kept making plays on the ball. I was like, man, that's that's some big time stuff there. When right. the game is the game is on the line, and these people are like, it's like, no, we're not going at Carlton Davis. We're going to go at this guy, and he was up for the challenge. Right. Yeah. And and what's interesting about Jamel Dean? I think Carlton Davis has kind of had a little bit of ups and downs. He's been almost perfect and press man, to be honest. But he's been a little bit more up. And I mean, if you can beat him, it's when he gets into cover three, like he can get pulled around in those zones, I think, a little bit. Jamel Dean has kind of been like way better. I don't think Carlton Davis is great in like off coverage or off man or clicking and closing underneath. That's like one area of his game where I'd say like he doesn't he doesn't thrive in like other corners do. Jamel Dean is this big, long corner that looks like a linebacker, a safety or something, and he can click and close on guys underneath. I mean, great anticipata- anticipation, and he takes chances, and there's ball skills there that are that are prevalent, and the athleticism, and it just – when we watch, I think it seems like Jamel Dean has everything that you want in, a, in an outside corner. You've already got the lockdown number one guy in Carlton Davis, like – we see a ceiling that I think suggests Jamel Dean could be one of the best number two corners 
in the league. So just curious what – I know he's not a full-time starter, but what you've seen from Jamel Dean this season and maybe last season if you saw him at all and what's what trajectory you see his game on. Yeah, I, I've been impressed with just his ability to make plays on the ball. Um, the one thing, especially with him coming out, and even when I watch the games now, he looks like a safety playing cornerback with how he moves, his size. Mm-hmm. Like he has like a long torso. Just everything right. about him looks like a – it looks like a safety playing corner, but he's really confident. I, I think he's been extremely confident with his breaks on the ball. I think he challenges himself well. Um, obviously, he has the deep speed to run with anybody. Um, I've been – I wasn't someone that was really high on him. There were a lot of people like, oh, you're going to like Dean from Auburn. And, I, and like they were like, he locked up – Oh, Riley Ridley, he locked up Riley Ridley. You're going to like him. And I'm like, oh, like, it just looks a little funny. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, just how he moves and stuff. But watching him at the pro level, man, like, it it just works for him. And Mm -hmm. I'm I'm sure sooner or later he will will be in there for Murphy. But I don't think they're going to leave him on the outside too much longer because he's kind of been a liability a little bit on a defense that's playing at at an extremely high level. Right. No, I agree with you completely. I think it's – only a matter of time. And today's actually somebody asked a question about it. Today I asked Todd Bowles a question about how can they help Sean Murphy bunting? You know, he seems to be struggling a little bit. And yeah, here it is. Somebody asked, Alex Abbott asked, my question to Todd Bowles was about Sean Murphy bunting. And he said something to the effect of we'll try to slow things down for him and keep him at one spot because he's been playing more positions than anybody other than Anton Winfield in their defense. And so he thinks he said he'll be fine doing that. So to me, that alluded to – I didn't get a chance to ask any more questions after that. But to me, it alluded to um, that he might be in the nickel, you know, and that might yeah. be a strictly nickel. So, Alex, good catch on that. I agree with you. That's kind of what I was thinking as well. I actually sent that exact text to the Peter Report group chat. So I think you might see Sean Murphy Bunting transitioning to nickel and Jamel Dean playing outside. I just think when it comes to the secondary, man, I think the game – you always say this too, like don't give receiver space. Anybody can play it safe and get by in a game. I've always seen you tweet this, but like if you want to make a name for yourself and you want to make a play and you want to be the guy, like don't give up that. But you know, don't be afraid to give of giving up the play, a big play to some degree. And to me, Dean plays that way. Like he's aggressive. You know, he's not dumb. He's not dumb about it. I think, but he's just aggressive uh, to a point where he can make plays on the ball. And I think another guy like this in the secondary that I want to see playing more, you know, because of this for a lot of the same reasons is Mike Edwards. You know, Mike Edwards has played, you remember him from Kentucky, maybe uh, playing safety at Kentucky and playing in the box. And he moved all played in the nickel. Some last year for the bucks, he was honestly probably more down than up. Their safety play was pretty poor across the board. I thought their corners, you know, were super young. It was just a really young group. You could, it was hard to get a great feel for anybody. Edwards came out, had a pretty good camp. But Antoine Winfield just had a better camp, and watching Antoine Winfield that now, was my not, guy. <laughs> that's how much it was. Winfield was—I I thought he was hands down the best safety in this class. Yeah. And I want to say between him and Juan Thornhill, probably two of my favorite safeties, definitely in the last two years. Yeah. I think before that, the only guys that I would probably take ahead of him was like Minka Fitzpatrick, who yeah. you know he was a top ten type Durland, type guy. Right? So. Yeah. Um, with with Winfield, man, I just liked his 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 versatility, um, his ability to kind of come down. I thought because in cover four that that he ran sometimes at Minnesota, you're almost like a corner playing off in space. You kind of have to yeah. match guys going vertical and stuff like that. I thought he had really good fluid movements. And in today's game, you know, the big kind of stiffer safety that's kind of getting out of there. Uh, you can be a guy like like him and uh you know like Winfield in that size and that mold and have good feet and be really good ball skills that he showed 
And it looks like he's doing the same thing at mm -hmm. the NFL level. Um, yeah. I did see one play in the Raiders game. Uh, it was a touchdown where I thought he was – he started out down. Yep. He started to get back in his bill, and then he got his eyes to the quarterback, and that kind of uh, got him to settle his feet a little too much. And, and so instead of looking at – uh, a, a, a threat that would be, you know, running into his third. Right. He settled and looked at the quarterback and ended up reading the quarterback where the quarterback was going. But by then it was too late because he let the guy get on top of him. So, yep. you know, those are things I'm pretty sure if we saw it and we're talking about it, I know he saw it and he talked about it and he mm -hmm. knows, okay, I can't peek until I get back to my, my, my spot and then, yep. you know, kind of read my keys from there. So that's something, especially for a young guy, fixable and right you know especially when you're winning and, you, and that doesn't cost you a game it's like all right cool you know i can right i can learn from that won't happen again coach but yeah i love his ability um he's been making plays on the ball dropped the easy interception i want to say it was against the bears uh that kind of hit him right in the chest but uh i i i i can't say enough good things about him I, i'm really mm -hmm. high on 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 winfield and, and how he plays yeah, I'm glad you brought that play up. I actually I wrote about that play this week in Bucks Briefing. If you guys are interested in seeing it written down, broken down in written form, um, over on uh, over at pewterreport.com. Uh, but I also uh, we talked about it on the podcast a little bit too. In live, I was like, oh, Levante, you know, that's a really tough assignment for Levante David because Winfield started low, like you said, and then he's kind of like rotating high there. And Jordan Whitehead buzzed down. He was the high safety. And he buzzed down to pick up Darren Waller. And so when he's on that rotation, you're right. He just looked back at the quarterback and kind of froze. And then Aguilar was running that, you know, running that uh, slot yeah. made basically, and he just went up and caught it. And I was like, man, there it is. That's you know that was the first touchdown Winfield's given up, obviously in his rookie year. And uh, so yeah, like you said, learning experience and, and growing experience. I think for him there um, to just kind of be aware of those targets coming into his area. But it's been kind of this. It, it is you know Mike Edwards has been. I don't know if you've known, like Pro Football Focus has Mike Edwards rated. I think I said this the other day on the podcast. Pro Football Focus has Mike Edwards rated as the highest graded defensive player in the NFL this season. Mike Edwards has only played 65 snaps, and the sample size matters a lot. But Mike Edwards has two picks. He has one pick, that another pick, a third pick that was from last week against the Raiders that was one of the craziest plays I've seen a safety make. And I asked him about it today. And his answer was crazy. I mean, they wouldn't tell me whether, you know, I'm sure Todd Bowles told him something, you know, during the film room or whatever, but he opens up like they're in two high safeties. He opens up like he's, it gets covered too. Like he's playing off the hash to the sideline and all of a sudden, and so Derek Carr rules him out. Like he's not even thinking about him, right? It's three by one set. So he's, he's to the single receiver side. He opens up like he's expanded the single receiver side. I think it's at, it's a receiver over there runs an out. So he immediately gets his eyes back to the trip side and he comes across the formation and robs the post route and intercepts the ball. Uh, I mean, from outside the hash to the opposite hash, if you get a chance to see it, unbelievable play. Shaq Barrett was offside by like a toenail and that's what uh, nullified the interception. That would have been three picks for him. And he had the tip on Antoine Winfield's interception uh, that allowed Antoine Winfield to get his first pick. He has not, he's given up one catch for six yards and it was a beautiful play. He made a great tackle on Noah Fant in space uh, down near the goal line uh, to prevent a first down. He hasn't done anything wrong this year. 
So <laughs> what do you do when you have a guy like that? And Edwards has mostly played free safety. Winfield's mostly played free safety, but you scouted Winfield and you watched Edwards and you know a little bit about their skill sets. And obviously Jordan Whitehead's here too. I don't know if you got a chance to scout him ever before I've watched him much. He's been a coverage liability for the Bucs. He's a good tackler, run defender, blitzer. True box safety would be best as like a third safety dime linebacker type. It's a it's a difficult situation now for the Bucs to figure out. You don't want to move a rookie who's thriving in Winfield from his position, but Mike Edwards just can't stop making plays. He's played 65 <laughs> snaps, and he's created four interceptions. I mean, it's just off-the-charts type of stuff from Edwards right now, and it makes me say, I got to roll with this guy until I see something negative from him, I think. Well, you see, the, the safety position, guys can be more versatile now, Yeah. right? So, you know, you'll see, even if you if you talk to a safety that people call like a box safety, like Landon yeah. Collins, I'm sure he'll tell you like, I'm not a box safety, like I do it all. Um, can he play down? Can you rotate those guys? And maybe Whitehead might just be the odd man out in that situation. Mm-hmm. I want guys that are making plays on the ball and taking the ball away. Amen. And like, maybe neither one of those guys are thumpers in the run game, but can they just come up and make tackles? And if that's the case, then I need those two guys on the field, you know, especially in the in, in the uh in the division that Tampa Bay's in with mm-hmm. teams that do pass a lot. You know, you got the Falcons there, you got uh obviously you guys, you got um Carolina, who yeah, they might do a little bit more run heavy type stuff, but they, they are the same. They are throwing it this year, though. They got those two receivers. I mean, they're yeah, yeah. Yeah, they've done a lot of good things with Robbie Anderson. Yeah, yeah. So it's it is a it is a quandary for the Bucks uh, right now to try try and figure out kind of how to play all these guys because it's not like Jordan Whitehead has specifically been bad enough to like straight up bench. But and you also don't want to move a rookie probably too. But at the same time, Winfield's played all over. And when Sean Murphy Bunting went down and you know week three against Denver. It was Winfield that was sliding into the slot, and it was Mike Edwards that was going back to free safety. Winfield is their backup nickel corner, um, and if Sean Murphy Bunting continues to struggle, he might end up being their starting uh, nickel corner. So it is, <laughs> it is yeah. an interesting situation for them to kind of sit through. Got to get right your now. best eleven on the field. Uh, I that's exactly what I wrote this past. I wrote it today. If people can check it out, I wrote about the Bucks defensive back situation. I said I need the best guys on the field, and that to me means Jamel Dean and Mike Edwards need to play more. I, it's not even like I'm ready to give up on Sean Murphy Bunting. It's not even like I don't see the value in what Jordan Whitehead brings to the team. Absolutely. I think those are great guys to have coming off the bench as your fifth and sixth, you know, but at the end of the day, I got to get my best four. And I know, yeah. you know, we're going to talk more about Winfield in a second and how he's playing, but I feel like he could, he can play down a little bit more. Um, storm season is officially still here for another week. Don't wait to review your insurance policies. Call Briar Greaves Insurance. You know, Scott just talking about it on the last show. He finally gave him a call. They're st- uh, which is family owned, and they've served the Greater Tampa Bay area for thirty years. Huge Bucks fans. If you go in and talk to them, Briar and Sam, they'll talk Bucks with you all day. But do it for your home, your auto, your boat, life, commercial, and flood insurance needs. A lot of homeowner companies are canceling or not renewing policies. Those companies are leaving Florida or increasing premiums significantly. Call Briar Greaves and speak directly to Briar or Sam for a personalized touch for information on the best rates. The folks at Briar Greaves Insurance are big fans of the box. They're loving the five and two start and they're proud sponsors of the Pewter Report podcast on pewterreport.com. Visit briargreavesinsurance.com or call 813-876-4166. That's 813 876 4166 today. 
Eric, the last things we got to talk about before we wrap up. Antoine Winfield Jr., all Bucks fans want to know, can this guy win defensive rookie of the year? You've seen him. You know his skill set. You know that he's moved around some for this team. He's played in some different slot spots. You look across the league right now, <laughs> there are not a lot of great defensive rookie of the year candidates, and I'm not saying that Winfield isn't deserving at all, but the reality is safety doesn't really win that award. You know, We've seen it over history. I don't think, I think it's been 20-some, 30 years maybe since the safety. It's been a long time since the safety won that award. But this is a very unique year. There are not as many defensive rookies playing, and there definitely are not many playing at a high level right now. Um, and not to say they won't be good eventually, but right now it really looks like Chase Young is obviously in that conversation. He's been great for Washington and was the highest drafted defensive player. Um, and then Julian Blackman for the Colts has made impactful plays. He only played like 220 snaps, but he's made a couple, he has a couple picks and pass breakups, and he's been really impactful for them. And we know it's a stat-based award. Winfield finally got his first pick. He's got a couple pass breakups on the season. He dropped a pick against Green Bay. You, you mentioned that a few minutes ago, hit him in the chest. Um, you know, he, so he's had plays, he's been around the ball. He made a great pass breakup against the Bears and against the Saints week one in the back of the end zone to save a touchdown. And you know, he's had a couple sacks, a forced fumble, and so he's been impactful. Do you see a guy that has a skill set that's good enough to compete and maybe win defensive rookie of the year? No, nah, definitely. Especially like you said, in the in the season where you know, there aren't a bunch of rookies around the league making plays. Um, another thing that really helps is being on a team like Tampa Bay, you know, a team that people are kind of like starting to consider the best team in not just the NFC, but maybe, you know, the NFL. And when you're on the defense and you're kind of like out there and you start to get flexed into the, more of these primetime games and people see you making plays on, you know, in on the big stage, that's, that's going to really help you. Now, obviously, Chase Young, he's going to have a lot of buzz. He's playing on a really good defense in Washington where the offense is trash, but that defense has been really good, really good. stout, and good he's point. been one of the reasons why. But so it's probably going to come down be to, to between those two guys, maybe Julian Blackman, maybe, but, you know, mm -hmm. Winfield, I think he has the upper hand just because the team he's played on, people are looking at that team now like, man, Tampa Bay has an awesome defense. And if he's the, the guy back there and he starts and he just makes a few plays, especially on TV for everybody to see, I don't see why he can't be, you know, the guy. That right. Runs. Yeah. I think it's a good point. You know, turnovers matter. And that's what talks at the end of the day. A lot of these people voting aren't going to have watched the players. They're going to look at the box score and they're going to see how many picks you got, how many sacks you got, how many forced fumbles, how many tackles and things like that. And uh, so that stuff matters. So yeah, Winfield getting his first last week is big. And, you know, I think, you know, people have asked about it. I think maybe, uh, you know, maybe we weren't totally clear, but, you know, you definitely don't take Winfield off the field. You know, if we're if we're trying to, uh, you know, put Mike Edwards on the field, it would be a matter of taking Jordan Whitehead off the field, playing Winfield at strong safety. And I talked about this in the article I wrote, but, you know, when, I, when we scouted Winfield, Eric, we knew, like, I saw a guy who could play every safety spot, you know, and that's one of the reasons why I liked him so much. Top 20, 25 player on my board. Um, because I thought, you know, this was a guy that could play in the slot if you needed him to. He could play strong safety. He had all the traits to be a terrific blitzer, and he's already shown that they don't even blitz him very much, and they blitz him less in recent weeks, but he's been a terrific blitzer for them. So, yeah, he, and he's a great tackler. He's one of the best tacklers on the team. You know, and Whitehead's a good tackler too, but and Winfield is a better athlete, and I think that is helpful around the box too. You get guys bouncing outside. I think he has – the, the traits to be able to match up with that. So I think you play, you'd play him in the strong role and then it's possible you would play him in the nickel when they go to nickel packages, they you play him in the nickel and Jordan Whitehead would come in at strong safety and Sean Murphy bunting would just be your sixth guy and he'd be ready to come yeah. in at, at any of those spots, basically, you know, and 
I even said, I think you could flirt around with, you know, maybe having Sean Murphy bunting in some packages come in and, and you'd have four corners on the feet, you know, uh, or three corners and still with, um, with, but Antoine Winfield playing in the slot. And I could see Sean Murphy bunting, you know, dropping back and playing some safety spots. They've done it before with him. They feel like his versatility is a strength, but right now, like Bulls mentioned today, there may just be a little bit too much going on for him to think about. And so we'll see if, you know, things, uh, things um, kind of slow down for him as, as the season goes on. So Eric, man, I appreciate you so much coming on this show and giving us your insight. It's always awesome talking to you. And guess what, folks, if you're new to the podcast, we're going to be doing this all off season too. We're going to be talking draft on the pewter report podcast, and we're going to be breaking down prospects and you can bet we're going to see Eric again. He's going to have his insight on lots of prospects that we might take a look at for the bucks. And uh, as we examine this draft class extremely closely. So uh, it's been awesome, brother. You can follow Eric at Eric underscore Crocker on Twitter. Make sure you do that. Check out his work. He is phenomenal. And he is the guy to ask if you have questions about any of the bucks DBs after a game or something, give him a follow and make sure that you're asking him questions because he's always got the answers. So Eric, Appreciate you, man. Thanks for making the time. At any time. And real quick before I get out of there, I have to remember, you know, Chin from Carolina. That's right. I just saw the Panthers behind me, and I'm like, oh, Chin, rookie. So that's another guy, and Panthers are definitely hyping him up right now in the media. So that is a guy that could probably be considered in that spot. But aside from that, man, thanks for having me on, man. Shout out to my guy, Ron Lucene. He's a, he's a big Tampa Bay Buccaneers fan. Um, so I work with his son. His son's a Division One corner out there at UConn. Um, he's a big Bucks fan. He was like, "Yeah, I'm watching, man." So that's awesome. Uh, shout out to him, and yeah, I appreciate you for having me on, man. For real, absolutely, absolutely, anytime, man. Yeah, and for all the Pewter Report listeners, we will be back. Remember, we are kind of altering the schedule this week because of the Monday night game. So we'll be on Monday night after the game. That's the next time you'll see us. So a little three day break without us. You know, listen to the podcast, get caught up. We appreciate y'all. We love y'all. But we'll be on Monday night. We'll be on Tuesday at 4 p.m. Wednesday at 4 p.m. Thursday at 4 p.m. So four days in a row, you'll get us next week uh, because of the Monday night game. We'll be breaking down everything that happens in that Giants game and getting you ready for the big one against the Saints coming up that week with lots of great content coming your way. So for Eric Crocker and myself, John Ledyard, thanks so much for listening to another awesome edition of the Pewter Report podcast. Out.